We've looked at the importance of the gift of tongues. We've looked at the intent of the gift of tongues. We are now looking at the instruction of the gift of tongues. And it all sets exactly on the message that you received last week that we come together and are supernaturally empowered for the edifying of the saints. That's what church is. All right? And he is crystal clear on understanding that. Let's read 26 through 28. What is the outcome then, brethren, when you assemble? Each one has a psalm, has a teaching, has a revelation, has a tongue, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. If anyone speaks in a tongue, it should be by two or at most three and each in turn. And one must interpret. But if there is no interpreter, he must keep silent in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. Father, I'd ask that you would teach us. And Father, as you've already instructed us in this book, in this letter, that we are not to be unaware of spiritual gifts. And yet, Father, there is an ignorance. There is a danger in ignorance in the body of Christ concerning spiritual gifts. Father, let us hear you, not man's opinion, not an experience, but what does your word say? And help us, Lord, in love and mercy and in grace, but in the authority of your scripture, understand what this precious gift truly is to your glory. Amen. Listen, edification is the key. Okay, the word, compound word out of the Greek, it means to build houses. That's the literal term. To edify is to build something up, to make it stronger. All right, we have a chief cornerstone rejected by builders, Jesus Christ. Then we have the foundation of the apostles and prophets. And we are 2,000 years out now, and we should be building in the same manner in which we were told. Peter tells us that each Christian is a stone, a precious stone being built into this order. And God says, you know what? You are weak. You are feeble. You will struggle with the, the oppression of sin in your life. So I will pour my spirit upon you and my spirit will choose the gifts, supernatural enabling that will assist you in this task that I have set before you. If you read the epistles, you will always see, I don't care what the epistle is, they will give you theology doctrine and then they'll exhort you in light of this doctrine do these things i like that because he doesn't say go do these things he says in light of who god is and who god is in you you now have the ability to do these things instead of running around trying to do and trying to please i remember speaking to a muslim one time and, and I asked him, how, how do you get saved? And he says he doesn't know. And he says, I hope that I do enough good things in light of the bad things that when Allah sees me, he'll allow me in. And I said, well, ain't that a little unnerving? And he says, at times it is very unnerving. And then he smiled at me. He says, I'm on my way to Houston now to sin. 
So and I was like, well, there you have it. <laughs> at, least, at least you're smart enough to know. Um, but but I, I, do you see that? Christ never said that. Christ never said that. Christ hanging on a cross said it is finished. But here's what happens. God says, I will establish this kingdom within a kingdom. The kingdom of Satan is alive and well and flourishing. But in the midst of that kingdom is the kingdom of Christ, the bride of Christ, the church. And I I watch people and we get into this mindset that says church is for evangelism. That is not what the church is for. Now, listen, some churches need to be evangelized. That that ain't one. Some churches need to get saved. Okay, listen, I got a very dear friend of mine who's been a pastor for a long time, and he'll tell you the first 10 years of his ministry, he wasn't saved. He says, you need to have your pastor saved. And, and I thought, yeah, that's, that's a good thing. But he says, you know, he had all the information, but he didn't trust it. He didn't trust it. All right, so the church comes together for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. I, my gift is to help strengthen you. Your gift is to help strengthen me. Once we strengthen each other, then in Acts 9 it says the numbers will increase. Listen, you don't want to have five infants in Christ all of a sudden get hit with 500 new believers. You don't want that. Trust me, when you, everybody says, well, Peter came out and he preached at Pentecost and there was 3,000 saved. He had 11 guys who had done what? Walked with Christ, seen the resurrected Christ, had seen the miracles, had heard the teachings, had experienced it. They understood what was going on. You had a huge foundation. Listen, I I was talking to you about that house. This house that I'm working on, it doesn't have a foundation. And all the boards that are on on the ground that the walls are all tied to are all rotted. Okay, and this one side is just pulling away from the rest of the house. Okay, why? It ain't got no foundation. Now, the other side of it's got a bunch of rock and stone foundation, big, solid foundation. But this new addition doesn't, okay? Eventually, if you leave it alone, what happens? It falls off, okay? So when you think about the church, think of it as a building. And we already have the foundation. And we will do what? We will build on that foundation, all right, my gift, preaching, prophecy, is to what? Build on that foundation. Now listen, I can sit and tell you all kind of silly things. All right, I, I watched the news this week and I've seen the political stuff that is all out there and all the goofiness is out there. The, the what was it, the governor of New York having to step down, uh, the pastor of uh, one of the candidates and some of the silly things he said. And I can sit and tell you how goofy all that is. But you know what? It means absolutely nothing. It means nothing. Because you can walk out of here and say, well, that's Terry's opinion. There are a lot of pulpits today who are giving you nothing but opinion. That's why if you take the average Christian today and you ask them what their spiritual gift is, they don't even know what a spiritual gift is. Okay, what is your church for? Get people saved. Is that working for you? 
Because until I get you strengthened to the point that God wants it, the numbers don't increase. He will not bring new and stick them in with a bunch of new because they won't grow. A lot of the things you see in the church today have absolutely no spiritual implication to it whatsoever. That's why, let's be realistic. You have been here with, ministering with me for a few years. Have, you, have I ever preached something that just made you uncomfortable? Huh? That just sort of, oh, I sat down on a cactus that day. Okay, I remember a guy walking out of here today. He says, you know what? You have in my time with you, sometimes you have taken a hammer and you've hit my toe. He says, man, today your message, you hit every toe, backed up, hit him again, then got my fingers. Okay, why? Well, it's obvious God's trying. You think that I, you know what's amazing about this? You guys get hurt by these messages. What do you think I do in the 40 hours of study before I deliver it? Do you understand that? He beats me like a redheaded stepchild sometimes. Am I allowed to say that? I may not be allowed to say that. That's just something we used to say back east. You know, back home, you can't. All right. Here's what's going on. The first six chapters of First Corinthians, Paul blasts these people for what he's heard. And I mean, you got a guy in the church who's dating his father's mother, wife, something, grandma. No, wait, let me see. I got to say it right. This is going out on airwaves. You have a guy who is dating his father's wife. That would be his stepmom. And the church was proud of it because they are free in Christ. He says, the pagans don't even do that. What's the matter with you? Okay, he has to deal with it. People run around saying, well, I was married, but I realized I can be more spiritual if I'm single, so I divorced my spouse. What? And then you got people saying, I'm running out trying to find me a wife right away because I can be more useful if I have a wife. And everybody was touting. Everybody was wanting a place of preeminence. This place was a mess. It was a mess. It ain't until chapter 7 he starts dealing with the things that they asked him about. And one of their flaws that they had was their spiritual gifts. If you drop in there at 26, verse 26, you will see what a, a, a worship service at the church in Corinth would have been like. You'd have scrolled in, say you were cruising through Corinth, uh, maybe you were a sailor because they had that isthmus and they'd go across that isthmus with their ships instead of sailing around the horn. If maybe you were there. I'm going to catch a church service here. You would walk in and you would have a congregation of people. I don't know how many people, but somebody would be up singing special music. Okay? That's the psalm. All right? Then you have some other people at the same time were giving a teaching. Then you'd have some other person there who was speaking in a language. Somebody else was walking around saying, God has told me. You got somebody else over there interpreting, and we don't know who he's interpreting for. Okay, here's the thing. They're all doing it at the same time. Let me ask you a question. As small as this group is, if everybody up got up right now and did a solo, if you walked in, what would you think? <laughs> Those people are mad. But that was the Corinthian worship service. Everybody was coming in trying to act spiritual. I see it today. 
I see it today. And they had taken a gift and had perverted it, had counterfeited it. And the one that he contrasts is the gift of tongues. And he contrasts the gift of tongues to the gift of prophecy. Please, please know this. Prophecy has nothing to do with telling the future. All right. That definition didn't even show up with the word until the 1300s. Okay, prophecy literally means to speak before. That's what it means. Okay, you know what? If you guys think I have the gift of prophecy, if you think that I'm supposed to tell you the future, then next we'll study Revelations. All right, and I'll tell you the future. Okay, but it's already written down. Read it for yourself. It's an easy book. We win. Okay. All right, so we looked at this, and he's already laid it out for us that the gift of tongues is not that important. It's a secondary gift. And you know what the reason? The gift of tongues has absolutely no ability whatsoever to edify the saints. None. Therefore, it's a secondary gift. And if you, if you want to know what the gift's intent was, then you'll have to get the CD. It was easy. It was a sign unto Israel. It was a sign of cursing to Israel that God has condemned Israel. All right? So now he says, let me exhort you. I've explained to you what the gifts are for. I explained to you the importance of the gifts. I've explained to you the intent of the gifts. Now, how do I get this thing to work? All right? He starts it out with this phrase. Uh, the New American Standard translated, what is the outcome? It literally is, how is it? Okay? How is it? All right? And, and what it is, when you come together, knowing what you know, how is it that you act like this? Listen, this text is not calling the Corinthian church to do this. This text is calling the Corinthian church to stop this. Okay? Uh, and, and he says, when you're all coming together, everybody's wanting to have a place of preeminence. And you all want to do it at the same time. How is it? How is it? Brethren, when you assemble, please understand, chapter 11 through 14 is the congregation of the church. It's not home Bible studies. It's not small groups. It's not whatever people want to call it today. It is when the church gathers together. Primary focus should be for the edification of the saints, strengthening the saints, building up the saints. All right, so he says this. How is it that each one has a psalm? Okay, you know what he just said? Everybody in the congregation is all of a sudden doing a solo. Okay, the, the, the psalm, everybody says, well, is that like the book of Psalms? Well, you know what the book of Psalms is, right? It's a song book. It's praises to God. And it was set to music, most of it. You know, I, I keep telling, you know, I've had people, you ever had, well, maybe you haven't. The music guys come up and says, you know, God gave me this song. And my response is, well, he didn't want it. What? Well, God gave us to me. You know what? God gave us the largest book in the Bible of songs. Okay? I think if we work on getting those to music, we'll be fine. Okay? I don't need to write up something new. 
Okay, but a song and, and literally the Greek term means a song with an instrument. So you had musicians. That sounds like the church in America today, doesn't it? How did you worship today? With music. You should have been there. I don't know. I've seen Led Zeppelin. That was pretty good. I don't think God was there. Okay, but they were good musicians. All right. Um, everyone's singing special music. Can you imagine the chaos? I mean, it wouldn't be bad if everybody was singing the same song. That ain't what they were doing. Okay? Listen, do you understand that singing has been a common part of Christian worship? Paul tells the Colossians that once you have been exposed to the word, you should break forth with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Please understand that. Okay? I am not against music. I love music. When you sing like me, you like music. Okay? There has always been, now I'm going to use this phrase and I'm going to use it carefully. There's always been a ministry of music. Okay? When you hear the word ministry, do not think of a man. Think of a service. That's what ministry means. I am serving through music. And sometimes we sing Psalms. Okay? It's not something that we've added. It's not something that we've concluded here in the 20th century that, look, we ought to do this. Okay? It's always been there. But you know what? This tells me that the same thing I see in the music today in the church is a, has been around too. You know what I call it? Pride. The musician has pride okay and it stirs and it stirs uh, you guys remember uh, Steve Camp was here in August he started a thing called the reformation of music ministries okay and it dawned on him now Steve Camp makes a living selling music but it dawned on him how can I call this a ministry? So when he goes to a church, guess what? He doesn't charge. If you want to give a love offering, give a love offering. You don't want to give a nickel. You know, he's, he'll have some CDs to sell. He says, you know what? If you've got some money and you'd like to give me a buck for one of my CDs, give me a buck. You know what? If you would like to have one of my CDs and you don't have no money, I'll give you one. Why? He says, because it dawned on me that my ministry is whose? God's. How can I charge you for what God gave me? Interesting concept, don't you think? Everyone had a song. Everyone wanted to be heard. Everyone, listen, you see this today. Listen, today, the oldest book in the Bible, okay, the book of Job is the oldest book in the Bible. You can basically take the first three chapters and the last three chapters and you can throw out the rest. Okay, now I know it's the word of God. But listen, if you read that book, you will see the commonality of those men and you today. Because right smack in the middle of it, there's a guy named Elihu. 
And he's the young one of Job's buddies. And all of a sudden he breaks forth. I can stand it no more. I must have my say. And then he takes off on his diatribe on how Job must have some hidden sin that God is punishing him for. And he is set and he has listened to all these people. And he says, I have got to say something. You know, my grandpa told me this. He says, it is better to sit down and be quiet and thought stupid than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. And it's true. It's true. You, you know, I do some work with kids down at the camp down, down on Monument. And you try these team building things. Okay. And I... Start these kids and you got, it's chaos. You got junior high kids. It's just, huh. <laughs> okay. Well, it is. You just sit there and go, mercy. Lord, did I miss your second coming? Um, and I tell him, I said, listen, you have two ears, one mouth. What should you be doing twice as much at? Okay. You know what? That works for adults too. Okay, but we have a tendency to want to speak. And you know what? 11 out of 10 times it's pride. Look what I know. Look what I've learned. Look what I've studied. Look what I, you know what? Great, I'm happy for you. All right? But then he's, because he makes a statement next, he says, each one has, Each one has a teaching, a literal doctrine. Somebody just wants to stand up and teach. I've been studying the book of Haggai. Well, good. Well, I'm going to tell you about it. Well, we're studying 1 Corinthians. Well, I'm going to tell you about Haggai. Okay, so you got everybody up there trying to sing a solo. And then you got a bunch of guys standing around wanting to teach you a doctrine. And then he says, you know what? I have a revelation. You've got a group center, I have a revelation. You know what those are, right? They go on today. God's told me. Okay? And I mean, I've, had, I've had pastors come to me and say, you know what? God told me I need to tell you. And I just look at him in the eye and say, you know what? He don't know where I'm at. <laughs> he misplaced me? Because I know I didn't hide from him. But but you get people, well, you know, this, and it drives me nuts today because you hear these Bible studies, and they're not Bible studies. Because Bible study has two words. You understand that? Somebody has studied the Bible. Okay? It doesn't, what do you think it means? That ain't, I don't care what you think it means. What does the Bible say it means? And, and I don't say that to hurt people, but listen, your opinion is of a great value to you. Okay? And you know what? My opinion is of great value to me. But when all is said and done, what does God say? All right? And, you know, people run around saying, you know, God told me. And then you have the person with language. Note the word here. All right? A teaching has a revelation, has a what? Singular. You know what that means? A language. It isn't gibberish. Gibberish is... What is that? We don't know. So we're going to put an S on it. It's plural, whatever it is. 
Okay? But if you speak Romanian, you will be speaking, you ain't going to speak Romanian and Russian and Chinese and Ethiopian all at once. You're going to have a language. You have a language. You speak that language. And they're doing it. And then you've got a bunch of people who are standing around and interpreting. Okay, now the key to interpreting is understanding this. That is the gift that edifies. I will tell the believers what the person speaking in the foreign language is saying. Okay, please understand. The language, the tongue is a language that a person can speak fluently not knowing it. Okay? I go to Russia. Every time I go to Russia, there's one thing that I seek out immediately. You know what it is? My interpreter. Why? Because I can't even read the signs. All right? And tell me what that says. Now, I did sneak out an English translation of the Moscow map so I can get on the subway now because it's color-coded. I'll take the green one to the red one and get off at the blue one. <laughs> I'm ready. Okay, I can travel Moscow. All right? <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right? But I'm not going to be able to ask for nothing. Well, I do know how to ask where the bathroom is. But what? That's a good phrase to know. You, I'm telling you, there's a lot of things you think you take for granted. <laughs> okay. But you have people interpreting. They're just speaking up. Well, who are you interpreting for? Why? Because you got everybody with the gift of tongue speaking a language and you got a bunch of people interpreting. I don't know what they're saying. Can you imagine why when an unbeliever would come in, he would say, I think you guys are out of your mind. Okay. So the apostle Paul says, in light of this thing that I just showed you in verse 26, he says, I need to resolve this. And this is how I'm going to resolve it. I, this is how I want you to use this so that the key thing that the church is supposed to be doing is taken care of. What is that? Edify. Edify. That, you guys ever seen that t-shirt? Somebody got me a t-shirt. Okay. And it's just a white t-shirt. And on the front of it, in a little bitty letters right across the chest, it says, edify, stupid. <laughs> I think that's a put down on me. I don't know. (laughs) Okay. Paul says, stop this. Let this be done for edification. Okay. And then he goes through, he gives four things. When you use the gift of languages, when you use the gift of tongues, four things, very practical, very simple, very easy. Verse 27. Anyone speaks in a tongue. Okay, key. Any one, okay, speaks in a language, single language. Okay? All right, so you have a speaker. It is singular. It is a man speaks in a language. It is a singular subject that demands a singular verb, which demands a singular object. I had an old English teacher would be so proud of me hearing me say that. Anyway, <laughs> I can't believe you said that. Okay, single person speaking a single language to a single object. All right, here's what he says. Verse 27. It should be by what? Two or at the most 
three. All right, did you see what he just said? I know a church here in Castle Rock on Mother's Day, they marched out the whole little kiddies classes, okay? Probably 45 or 50 kids, and they all began speaking in tongues because that was Mother's Day gift is all my children can speak in tongues. And they were all speaking at the same time. You know what they just said? I don't believe the Bible. Because even if them little darlings can, then there shouldn't only have been one, two, or three, one at a time. And he says, no more than three. That's what he says. I didn't write it. You, you don't like the sound of this? Um, read verse 38. Seems real straightforward to me. <laughs> you don't do this, and I'll recognize them. All right. All right, the gift is regulated. The principle number one is, like every gift given by God, to control, the control of that gift is by its possessor. Okay, who is the possessor? Trick question. Oh, no. Holy Spirit is. Who controls it? Holy Spirit. And he never, ever, ever does something through somebody who's out of control. Please make a note. He's actually a little cranky about that. So when I see these things where you get rolled in the spirit or knocked down in the spirit or blowed over in the spirit or slain in the spirit, those are people who are out of the control. And I know emphatically that is not God. Got it? Why? That person's out of control. I seen a video of a guy one time flopping around on a stage and the pastor said he hadn't prepared a message and all he could conclude was that that guy was giving birth to new Christians. That's <laughs> what I was thinking. Okay? And you wonder why people would look at it and say, you guys are mad. The Spirit of God ministers the gifts of the Spirit in the time of a controlled behavior, and it's never out of control. The only time that you ever see spiritual influence out of control is in pagan worship. Okay? I've seen it before. Okay? I've run into some of the voodoo people. Them people are out of control. And they're trying to be out of control. I have seen some Native American spiritual stuff. Guess what? It's out of control. And they want to be out of control. Uh, That's the whole plan behind it was to be out of control. Okay? And I have seen these and witnessed them and said, yeah. Uh, I remember talking to a friend of mine, Dr. Olford, and he was talking about his parents uh, were missionaries in Zambia. I think it was in Africa back uh, before World War II. And he talked about the witch doctors and crazy stuff like that. He said he's seen a witch doctor standing in a big old bonfire. Came out of there and didn't even smell like smoke. And he says, but everybody was running around dancing and prancing and everything. And he says, and everybody was out of control. Okay? You never see Christ, the Spirit of Christ, working in a situation where people are out of control. Okay? So you have this gift of languages. And all of a sudden, you're in the gift of languages. You've got two or three people who have the gift of language. And an unbelieving Jew is there. 
And this unbelieving Jew spoke a certain foreign language. Okay? But the interpreter has to be there as well. Okay? So it's going to be at the right place, at the right time. The gift of language would be speak this unknown language to the speaker. He didn't know this language. He's going to speak this language, but it be known to the Jewish unbeliever. The gift of languages, tongues, is for unbelievers. It is never for believers. That's what Paul says. Okay? And the interpreter would interpret what the person with the gift of language is so that the congregation of the believers would be edified. It would be done orderly, one at a time, no more than three, under control properly. Okay? So the number one limiting factor is two or three and never more. It also has to be at the special time when there is an unbelieving Jew there and it has to be done when the interpreter is there. Okay? Second limit. One at a time. One at a time, he says. Why? It's in order. I don't need everybody speaking in tongues at once. I, I was tell, talking, a guy was telling me, he says he was in Nigeria a few years ago, and this guy was preaching, and it was phenomenal. And he says, and we had 2,000 people all of a sudden just stand up and start speaking in tongues. Well, hallelujah. Okay, third limit. Um, must be interpreted. Must be interpreted. He says here, no more than two or three, first limit, second limit, one at a time, third limit, the interpreter must be there. One must interpret. Key, phrase, key to that is must. Okay? The word is ace. It means one. One interpreter, not two interpreters, not five interpreters, not 11 interpreters. One interpreter. Okay, now I did hear, hear a guy who taught, um, where the heck was he? I can't remember where he was, but he was speaking through five interpreters. And I thought that would be interesting. But anyway. You have a foreign lang- language and you need one interpreter so that the believers will hear what is being said. See, the, I think this thing is, is so simple. It's the preeminence. Everybody wants, look at me, look at what I'm doing for Jesus. Okay, two or three at most in order. And someone has to interpret. Fourth principle on the instruction for the use of gift of tongues, verse 28. If there is no interpreter, okay, what is the gift of tongues supposed to do? Be quiet. Be quiet. Oh, wait a minute. This is a great evangelistic tool. And that Jew's there. He's an unbeliever. And I start speaking to him in Swahili. And he speaks Swahili. That's an evangelistic tool. You know what God's saying? What is more important? 
What is the implication of this text? If you have an unbeliever in the church or for the strengthening of the saints, which one is more important? Strengthening of the saints. Gosh, that just, it almost sounds anti-evangelistic. No. You will reach the lost when they see that your love is more for the brethren than it is for the lost. Because then they will want what you got. I heard a pastor just just a, a week ago in a time of prayer say, you know what? We don't offer the lost people anything. And I said, what do you mean, we? Well, we need to get our message back. I said, I ain't lost my message. I still have my book. Okay, you may need to get your message back. But I, you know what? If you come here wanting platitudes, this is the wrong place. This is the wrong place. If there is no one there to translate, it has no ability to edify. If it is not going to edify the saints, he says then, keep silent. And he's specific, in the church. Keep silent in the church. Okay? And let him speak to himself. Get over and mumble. Listen, the purpose of the church meeting is to what? Okay, so do you understand when chapter 12, verse 1, the Apostle Paul says, I do not want you to be unaware of spiritual gifts. Do you understand what he's telling you? Your spiritual gift is not for you. Your spiritual gift is for the saints of the congregation. This is another thing that drives me crazy. People bounce around churches. Oh, I didn't like this church, or this person didn't wave at me, and this person didn't smile at me, and this, you know, they eat too much, they eat and don't eat enough, they pray too long, they talk too. What, what are you doing? You have a gift that is for who? For the church. But you can't find one that makes you happy? So I guess edifying is not really strong on your idea of what to do in church. Okay? So when I find the first church at Corinth, I'll point them out to you. See, self-edification is forbidden by Scripture. Okay? If you have no interpreting... You know what's another key about this text? If there is no interpreter... You know what that says to me? I knew who the persons with the gift of interpretations were. If they weren't there on that Sunday and I have a language I'm getting ready to speak and I see that, say, Jacob's got the gift of interpretations, I ain't going to say nothing because Jacob ain't here. Right? Ain't that the implication of that? I would know who has the gift of interpretations. And if I ever get around tongues, I guarantee you I'll have the gift of interpretation. (laughs) And they ain't going to like how I'm going to (laughs) interpret. You said you're going to give me 10 grand because you love me. (laughs) And I just want to tell you, Jesus said, thank you. (laughs) 
Do you see that? Listen, if the gift of languages was still an, an event, okay, now please understand, since 70 AD, I'm thinking that the Jews have figured out they're under judgment. What do you think? They have not been able to protect, uh, practice Judaism since the collapse of the temple. Okay? So I'm thinking they, they got the message. All right? But if the gift is working, then two or three at most, speaking one at a time, and the person with the gift of interpretation has to be there to interpret it. That doesn't seem that complicated to me. Does that seem complicated to you? And so what you see today, okay, and you know what? It's across the boards. It, it, it doesn't, it, you know, it used to be in the Pentecostal church. Uh, when I grew up, they would call it the Holy Rollers. Um, we had some that were in the, what they call the snake handlers and stuff like that. It's, it's a long story. Anyway, but, we, but you've seen that, but it's in mainline now. Okay, I, I know uh, a whole bunch of guys. Who did? I, I had a guy one time come to my office. He was a Continental Airline pilot. Okay, now listen, you got to kind of be smart to fly an airplane, right? What do you think? Anyway, um, and he came and said God had given him a tongue and he wanted to pray over me that I'd be healed. Um, he says, I just have to have faith that God's doing it. And, Okay, hurry up and get her done so I can get back to studying. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't. Okay, did I, did I tell you? I think two days later he died. I don't know what that means. I think that's that shirt. <laughs> Edify, stupid. <laughs> but I share this with you because it crosses the boards. I, I used to work for a contractor, did some work with a contractor, and he had a jacked up Achilles heel. I mean, the Achilles tendon was all, he was limping around and all the rest of it. And I mean, it was nasty. Okay. I mean, you could see it puffed out of the back of his tennis shoe. And I was like, and one day I was working and he comes walking in. No big deal. And I said, well, did you go get like cortisone shot or I don't know something? He said, no, I got up this morning. I sang a song in tongues and God healed it. Well, there you have it. That's what I, why did you wait so long? Um, I, I'm not going to argue with the guy. I can tell you this. It ain't biblical. It ain't biblical. The gift of tongues has showed you the intent. The intent was is for a curse against Israel. It was time of blessing because God's saying, I'm setting aside Israel and the Gentiles will get saved. I'm into that side. Okay. He destroyed Jerusalem in 70 AD. Poof. Okay. I mean, Judaism has not existed since 70 AD. Please understand that. They can't go give an atoning or a sacrifice anywhere. All right. So God said his wrath was going to come out and it'd be by foreigners and it would come out. And guess what? It did. No problem. So it, but I do, because people ask me, do you believe in the gift of tongues? Absolutely. And when it's exercised, there should be no more than three. There needs to be done one at a time, and there needs to be the person with the gift interpretation. And if there is no one with the gift interpretation, or as my Russian brothers would say, shut up. And I'll tell them, edify, stupid. So anyway. <laughs> All right, but you see what I'm trying to This isn't complicated. This isn't complicated. Okay, again, I'll give you the warning. 
experience does not validate Scripture. Because I'll tell you this right now, my 51 years of life, you go looking for an experience, I guarantee you, you will find an experience. Okay? Now, it may not be God, but you will find an experience. Okay? So now we go from here and share the truth in love. Okay? And if that don't work, then edify stupid. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your gifts. Father, thank you for your church. Father, I don't know how believers can get along without her. And I see so many who are not interested. Father, allow us to edify. Give us the privilege. Father, just as you've already shown us, let us do nothing for self. Let us not even be concerned about self. Let us be awash in the edification of the brothers and sisters that you have put in our lives. Let us be overwhelmed by that. And Father, may we use a supernatural enabling from your Spirit to strengthen every saint that we may present every man complete in Christ. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Praise you for this time and the amazing things you do. In Christ's name, amen.